ML Nation, episode 216. Do the right things, change how you act, uh, make a decision, and keep your mindset growing every day because if you aren't making it grow, it's going to go the other direction. If you want to be successful, you just have to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chess. Where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from today's top MLM income earners. To be successful, you need coaching. Someone to help you overcome obstacles, give you a kick in the butt, consistent training, and the right support group. Go get a dollar trial to MLM Nation Insider at MLMNationInsider.com. MLM Nation, this is Simon Chan. And before we start, make sure you check out our partner, Networking Times. If you like MLM Nation, you love Networking Times. Each issue is packed with amazing training stories just like MLM Nation. Go check them out at mlmnation.net forward slash times. Again, that's mlmnation.net forward slash times. And now, here's today's iTunes review of the day. This is an interesting one. This is from Heather of Powerhouse Mama, okay, out in Canada. And she says, even for non-MLMers, I found relevant value in the show relating to my non-MLM business. I love the content and there's such great lessons to learn here. Awesome job. Well, <laughs> that is pretty cool. You know, network marketing, we, we know, if you read Rich Dad's, Poor Dad's uh, business school for the 21st century, it is, right, it is the MBA, the business school. Like, you can do it in network marketing. If you never made any money, it's still worth it to be a network marketing distributor and take it seriously just from the personal development alone and uh, learning how to do marketing, sales, selling yourself, totally worth it. And these lessons can be applied to not just your personal life, but definitely also to other businesses. So Heather, Powerhouse Mom, thank you for sharing that. And if you have something that you want to share or if MLM Nation has helped you in any way, please subscribe, rate, and review. Leave a review. It takes one or two minutes. Leave a review on iTunes. They do mean a lot because it helps us know how we can get better. And also, it helps other distributors find us on iTunes. So please do that. And now let's go to today's show. MLM Nation, this is Simon Chan, and I am fired up to bring our special guest today, Sean Gray. Sean, are you ready to make it happen? I am ready to rock, Simon. Thanks for having me, bud. After giving up a career in commercial aviation in the 90s to pursue a future in network marketing, Sean Gray, along with his wife Carmen, just celebrated their 20th anniversary in MLM. Sean and Carmen have worked with two different companies over those 20 years and have focused much of their efforts in the past six years living and working in Asia, building the global team. In their current company, they have received awards as the Distributors of the Year, Leaders of the Year, and Global Ambassadors. They have added over 200,000 people to the team and earned millions of dollars over the last 48 months alone. Along with a 10-year-old son and 4-year-old daughter, Sean and Carmen travel extensively, helping people create better lives all over the world. So, Sean, I've given ML Nation just a brief intro, but please share more about your background and how you came across network marketing. Absolutely. Well, again, thanks for having me, Simon, and, and welcome, everybody. You know, I appreciate the chance to just kind of share some of our background. It's hard to believe it's been 20 years. It's just, you know, time flies at the... You know the snap of a of of a finger here, and um, yeah, the last you know the last handful of years has been uh, focused. We always loved the the lifestyle of um, of the international aspect that 
you know, networking can give someone if they choose to walk down that path. So, you know, we've spent uh, uh, quite a bit of time in many different parts of Asia. We, uh, you know, we, we, our son, when we first moved over there was about four. And so we, uh, we put him in a, in a local school. So he is completely, uh, bilingual. He can speak Chinese and, and, uh, and English fluently. And, you know, we've got friends and partners in multiple countries all over the world. And, and it's been, uh, it's been quite of, uh, quite an experience, Simon. And in the last, uh, you know, three, four years, we've seen some pretty, uh, phenomenal, uh, growth. We've been blessed to have, you know, some good things happen on our team. But, you know, 20 years ago, uh, I, uh, was just like everyone else in the sense that you kind of grow up and you, you know, you're told that you go to school, you get an education, you get a good job, you go to work for somebody and you work hard, you know? I mean, that's kind of the, the, the standard uh, deal. And I had decided uh, back in the day that I had wanted to be a commercial airline pilot. Not sure why. I didn't have anybody in my family that had done that. I just thought it would be a, a great career. So uh, went the civilian route, did not go the military route, went to the University of North Dakota, which is um, still today one of the best civilian aviation training schools in the country. Um, you know, borrowed the better part of $100,000 to get my undergraduate degrees in commercial aviation and in, uh, and in business, a bachelor's in business. And um, kind of was just, you know, my last semester of college, uh, I was, I was uh, president of a fraternity on campus. I had 21 credits of uh, 400 level classes. I uh, was working, you know, two different jobs trying to, trying to pay the bills. And, um, and just had a new girlfriend, uh, who is now my wife, Carmen and, uh, someone that we worked with approached us and said, Hey, uh, would you be ever interested in looking at a way to make some, some extra money in your spare time? <laughs> and I was like, spare time. What are you talking about? You know, <laughs> leave me alone. And so I was closed minded uh, at the time, Simon, to be honest with you, I was not interested in open uh, looking. I was pretty focused on a career in aviation, but fortunately, Carmen, uh, you know how how girlfriends can can be. She said, "Well, please." She went and looked at it. She said, "Please, will you will you take a look at it for me?" And with just a little arm twisting, I'm like, "Okay." So you know, we we it was our first introduction to really what this uh, profession was all about. And you know, I didn't see the big picture. Um, you know, at the time, I was just finishing up college. I was going to go in the career in aviation, and I said, "If we could do this together part time and make three or four hundred dollars a month, um, to me, that was a car payment." at the time. And, uh, you know, that's why we started just part-time. We could do it together. I graduated, uh, was beginning, I started the career in aviation. And then we went to like a, a national convention, a regional conference, uh, for our company at the time. And Simon, it completely, it, it opened my eyes to what this profession can actually, the kind of lifestyle that can be had. Um, if you really, if you really put your heart and soul into it, you know, you you met people who were stress-free because money wasn't a problem. You met people that played, you know, golf on Tuesdays because why would you ever play Saturdays? That's when everyone else plays. You know, you play when there isn't people on the course. And I saw people that had time and money and traveled and lifestyle. And so we decided, uh, not long after graduation and at the beginning of this uh, career, aviation career, I called my dad and said, "Dad, you know those um, hundred thousand dollars in school notes that you uh, co-signed for." <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go do MLM instead. And, uh, you know, that's why I made a phone call, Simon. I didn't, uh, I didn't actually go see him in person, make sure I didn't get hit. Uh, but no, dad was super great, you know, great about it. And him and mom were very supportive. And that was kind of how we started 20 years ago, man. It was, um, it was just, you know, grassroots, knock your head against the, the wall and you go to training sessions, you try and learn, um, 
gosh, three months or six months into uh, us starting our upline uh, up and went to a different company and left us. And they said, you should come over here. And, you know, we're just kids. We're in our early to mid 20s. And we're like, I kind of like what we're doing. And so we just made the decision that we were going to focus and learn. And so we spent the first three or four years really trying to figure it out and working hard and, and went full time in the business. Denver made a lot of money the first three or four years. Um, you know, but after five or six years, it started to, to catch a little bit of momentum. And, um, you know, uh, we had a, a shift in companies after nine years, but, uh, you know, 20 years later, here we are, it's been, a, it's been a great life and, you know, we're still pretty young and I, I feel like we're kind of just starting. So thank you for sharing that. So I have a couple of questions. The first one was, uh, when you went to the event at the cycle full time, were you earning a little bit already part-time income, part-time income? You know, it was it wasn't big. My uh, my first year, we earned twelve thousand dollars, and mm. uh, you know that's not a lot of money. But you know, we had it's pretty good for for part time. It's good. It's not it's not bad. You know, but still, you you know, after six months of graduating from college, you start getting all these nice letters from the people you borrowed money from. They say, "Congratulations, you can start paying us back now." And uh, you know, so yeah, I did other things on the side. You know, you had paint apartments late at night. You know, after midnight when you couldn't meet people, just to try and make a few hundred bucks. And we we were you know resident managers in our apartment complex at the time to try and get cheaper rent. And you know, you just you do what you've got to do to make it go while you're trying to build what you think you can build. Hmm. And um, you know, I think our second year we made fourteen or eighteen grand. Our third year was twenty four, and you know, uh, and, and and so it wasn't big the first three years. But but I think everything takes an apprenticeship, Simon. It, it doesn't matter, you know, what you do in life. If you're going to go create something big, if you're going to be successful, you've got to have that time to learn, to to grow, to change, to you know, to to raise your ceiling, if you will, to make to to make your glass bigger, if you will. Um, you know, and and you either do it in your in a, in your first companies, or some people do their apprenticeship in the military. Other people do it in a conventional business. But we all have apprenticeships, and that's what we did for the first four or five years while we were trying to get it going. So, what were some of the biggest challenges you had when you first started the business? Like the first, say, first first three months. You know, there was because uh, <laughs> you were pretty young at that time, yeah, right? And, yeah, and one of the things is like young people. You know, it's hard to get credibility sometimes. At least people, right? Right. So, how did you? What a challenge you had the first three months, you and Carmen. Yeah, you know, uh, not a lot of had never been successful in business before. You know, certainly not in networking. You know, and so you you end up if you talk to people in your own peer group, you know that they are kind of all in the same boat, either starting their careers or in college or just after college. And and um, you know, it wasn't at, at that time. There wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, you know, the internet was just kind of beginning, and so you know, social networking wasn't wasn't there. Um, and so it wasn't necessarily as easy to reach out as it is today. And so, you know, we, you know, anybody that was older looked at you with, you know, you didn't have a whole lot of credibility, but you know, that was kind of part of it, you know, that we knew that I knew that going in. And so what I focused on is trying to find a few people that were, you know, 10 or 20 years older than me that had some life experience that had some success that, um, that we could partner up and say, hey, you know what? I understand I, uh, what this business can do. Let's create a partnership where you can use your credibility and your influence to just bring people in front of me and in front of the idea. And let's see if we can't use your credibility and my hard work and, and put it together to see mm. if we can't catch a little momentum. And um, you, know, you get a couple of people like that. And that's kind of how, how we kind of got started in mm. the early days. So before um – that 
opportunity meeting where you, you and Carmen got you. Have, were you ever exposed to network marketing before that? You know, my parents had, had worked with a, a company uh, when I was a kid, and I remember them doing, uh, you know, doing home meetings uh, while my, my brother and sister and I were upstairs, you know, playing, and they do home meetings uh, a couple of times a month, and they had some limited success, ne- never full-time, nothing big, but, you know, I, I, I'm grateful because that company did a lot on teaching my parents how to think. Um, and therefore, they were able to pass on some of those things to your kids. And it's, you know, it's, it's part of the gem of this profession, Simon, is that, you know, a lot of times people join it for the, for the tangibles, the money, the, you know, the, the recognition and the influence and the, the, you know, the things like that. But the intangibles of, of the personal development and the growth and the, and the, you know, the mind development and the relationships and all those things are hard to explain in an opportunity meeting, but they're certainly things that you come to experience. And, and I know it made an impact on my parents, therefore an impact on me. Yeah. In terms of, I think that's, that's the, probably the, one of the top reasons why everyone should join network marketing is just for the mindset training. The, totally agree. Right. The education. Kiyosaki talks about it, It's like the free business school. And so you talk about the, how your parents told you the thing. What's the what has MLM taught you the most in terms of the Sean? Like, how has Sean become the leader today? If you can talk about all the things that's helped, all the benefits, but what's the one or two mindset things or attitude changes you've experienced because of the training through network marketing? You know, if you try and <laughs> if you try and quantify it, it's hard to summarize. But I I would say this is that you know there's no such thing as uh, stability or status quo. I, I personally believe that in, in life, in business, in anything, you, we're either growing or we're going the other direction, really. And there's no such thing as maintaining or stability. And so, I, you know, we're different. We all grow and we get different phases in our life. As we get older, we have more life experience. And we, we want to learn. We want to get educated. And, you know, one of the favorite quotes that uh, that I use all the time in training is by a an 18th century philosopher named John Ruskin, um, and it made an impact on me, and I think it's had a, a big impact as I look at how that's evolved over our 20 years. He said that education does not mean teaching people things they don't know. It means teaching people to behave as they do not behave. And it sounds like semantics, but I, but I personally believe that that is vastly important in what growth is, you know, if you if you talk about what are the things that has helped really change me is, I look at a twenty four year old or twenty five year old uh, with limited life experience, you know, uh, an EQ that may or may not have been completely developed, uh, you know, certainly uh, struggles, but not not you know, you don't have mortgages and kids and things like that. Most people at twenty four, twenty five. And then you 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 look at how you act and how you think, and then you look at it today, and you're you know older than forty, and you're you look at how I've had to change and grow on how I behave, hmm. not only not only what I know, because there's all kinds of people that get educated and they think they know things, and they can sit and philosophize about business and you know even networking, and we've met all kinds of people that like to sit and talk in theory about what networking is all about and how you succeed and what's important. But, but really it comes down to what do you do? How do you act? 
you know, how do you translate the, the theory and the learning into what, what changes how you act on a day-to-day basis? How do, you, how do you communicate with people? How do you lead people? How do you listen to people? How do you care about people? How do you love people? How do you inspire people? How do you direct them to clarify in their mind what it is they want their life to be, to, to, to help them believe that they can be the architect or the, the artist that paints the picture of their own lives and that we are together partners just to help you make that picture become reality. You know, and, and how can I act and help teach you to act differently to accomplish that? So, you know, that's kind of a, that's kind of a philosophical uh, answer to that overall question. But I, I think that if I try to summarize that is, you know, how has it become a consistent growth over 20 years? And where am I today? And how am I going to grow tomorrow and the day after and the week after and the month after and the year after? Mm. Hey, thank you for sharing that. That's really good. You know, um, I've, as I've gotten older, I'm really into philosophy. It's like all those books in college that the, the professors wanted me to read. I never read. Like, I want to go back and read them now. So <laughs> this is John. I'm going to check this out. John Ruskin. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Very good stuff. And you're right. Because, you know, self-development, you can read or listen to auto audios. But at the end of the day, it's about your behavior. So Agreed. thank you for sharing that really, really good stuff. So related to that, I think one of the things I'm, I was impressed with you, uh, many, many things, but one of the things is like you've been in this profession for 20 years and you've been with only two companies. And the only right. reason this is you went to company number two because company number one went out of business, right? Right, So right. going back, and that's hard. It's like, the, and even though I think part of it, you know, there's no stability or status quo. So that makes you more adaptable. That you can right. change. You know things are changing. So go, going back to your first three to six months in the business, you said your upline left. And I think right. that's the time when you were kind of like a baby, right? right. You're very vulnerable. Right. Why did you stay? How come you did not leave? You know, that's a good question. I, I think that we just had seen enough and believed in what could be created and in what our company was doing at the time that um, – that we it was it was a commitment for us it was a commitment we had we had put our word out there that we were going to go do this and we had told people and we had some people join our team even though it was really small and we had made promises to them and the reasons that these guys had left they left to kind of start their own company which you know by the way um went start up to bankruptcy in 14 months um you know, it, and I'm not saying that that happens all the time, but I knew I felt like we had a really stable, good opportunity where we were. We told people we were doing it. We were committed. And so, um, you know, I always say that you just you do what you say. If you know, don't if you're not going to do it, don't say it. And we we told people we were going to do this with this company at this time because we believed in it and we believe we could create a future and we promise we will help you. And so, you know, there was no reason that that all of those things weren't. Um, possible. So we stuck with it. So what we had to do is I remember going and finding a guy, you know, I'd go to the training sessions in the, you know, the three state area and I'd find guys that weren't in our upline or downline and I'd listen to them and, and then I'd reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm going to be in the area. Uh, you know, do you mind if, would you please take 30 minutes to answer some questions for me? I know I'm not in your group, but I, I'm, I just want to learn. And the, in the area meant I was willing to not tell them this, but I drive six hours to go see if he was going to give me a half an hour of his time to, to sit down. And, and I had, I remember having five pages of handwritten notes, you know, with the, with a friend named Marty who, who had been in the business, been successful. And, and I just wanted to learn from guys that had done it, uh, you know, in, in the, in the business that we were doing it in. And so it was never, it was never a look back thing, Simon, we made a decision, we made a commitment and we said, 
we're moving this direction and everything else is noise. That's really how we try to look at it. So in your first year, you made like 12,000, second year, right. you made like 20, and then, and then you hit 24. What was the turning point in your business where kind of like a light bulb, because you talk about the apprenticeship, and then all, all of a sudden you got it, and then your business just really took off? You know, um, I, I will tell you there's, there's different points. I, I would say it's probably with our fourth or fifth year. I think we made 80 or 100 grand and then and then it you know it went to 150 and 200 and and uh things like that but there was you know I don't know if there was a moment where it's all of a sudden like you wake up and say you wake up and say okay I I get the business now I understand it's kind of this cumulative growth and this cumulative thing and all of a sudden you 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 realize that you can help someone new better uh, then you could a year ago and you're like, gosh, this other person quit and I could have, you, you try and learn. And you say, well, how could I have done a better job as a sponsor, leader, mentor, upline for that person? And you just kind of try and put the pieces together. Um, you know, I think more of the aha moments, um, come in the area of personal development. I, you know, I kind of use it. I'm not sure if it, you've got the picture of, of, of Carmen and I and our kids, our daughter, um, is Chinese. Actually, she, we adopted her a year ago. Uh, her name's Jade. She, um, uh, she was found in a, in a basket, uh, right after birth, uh, outside of a subway station in Shanghai and was abandoned at birth, lived in an orphanage for three years, um, of her life until she came home with us, uh, last year. And, um, here's the, the point to it is this. She's been with us a little over a year. She's an amazingly beautiful, wonderful, talented little girl. It's unbelievable. Just a huge blessing in our, in our life and our lives, Simon. And she's so creative and smart and she's, I mean, doing all these things that just wow us every day. But you know what? A year and a half ago, it did not matter how smart she was. It didn't matter how, you know, talented she was or what she did. She had no chance. She had no opportunity uh, for a future. And then in one day, her life totally changed. In one day, in what? Now she's too young to understand it. Someday she'll be old enough. But in one day, now this little girl has, uh, you know, a mom and a dad and a brother that love her to death. Uh, she'll be able to be educated anywhere she wants in the world. Hopefully, won't, won't have to worry about money in her life. Um, she'll be able to have this amazing life in front of her. And all of that happened in one day. And I think Simon, that our journey really is like hers. That we have those points in our lives where the trajectory of our lives and therefore our business and our relationships makes a vast change. And you maybe don't know that it was those times. I mean, for us, I can't point, you know, there's only a few of the personal times that I can look back and point and say this moment and that moment personally. In our business, it was this cumulative development. But there are always these moments. One of the ones I remember, an aha moment, I we had we had gone up with some of my guys when I was young and we were recruiting some college kids on the team and and uh, one of my guys had 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 uh, signed up this girl, and you know she's a freshman or sophomore in college, and it was three or four hundred dollars to join. And she went home for Christmas, and and mom <laughs> mom flipped out, you know, because her you know her daughter joined joined this network marketing company and spent four hundred dollars. And so I was back in it was in Carmen's hometown in Bismarck, North Dakota, and and uh, so my guy John said, "Hey, can you come with me? This girl's mom is just whatever, and you know not supportive and whatever." So. It, it was over Christmas time. Simon, it, I'm not kidding. It was 20 degrees below zero. And I, I jump in a car with John. We go over to this girl's house and sit there with her mom. And if I thought it was cold outside, 
um, it, it was colder inside because we got in and this lady, this lady was super negative, you know, just about, and these two kids are here to steal money from her daughter and whatever. And I'm trying to talk to this lady and I'm 25, 26, you know, and, and I finally just stopped even trying to talk about our opportunity and I just closed everything. I started asking her questions, you know, what, what she done. And she was a seamstress her whole life. And, and I just asked her, I said, have you ever you know, thought about owning your own business doing that as a seamstress. She said, you know, I did. I, uh, I was going to start my own business and I took my life savings of $20,000 and I found a, a company that was going to help me get an SBA loan so I could get my building and all of my equipment and things like that. And I found this company in the newspaper that was a liaison company that would help me go get a loan from the SBA. And I gave them the $20,000 and what I found out is that they were a scam. And they took her twenty. They took my twenty thousand dollars, and they left the state, and my life savings is gone. Hmm, and wow. and I and this lady was so bitter about it, and she was so cold about it, and so skeptical of life, business, opportunity, anything that was there. And what she said next, Simon changed how I looked at what I wanted my future to be. And I said, "Man, that's awful. I mean, you twenty life savings, twenty grand. That's that's terrible." I said, "Can I ask you?" How long ago was that? And she said it was 22 years ago. 22 years this lady had been bitter at life because of, granted, a bad opportunity, but it ruined 22 years of her life. And at 26 years old, I had one of those aha moments that said, I will never let past failures, past wrongs, past ways that I have been treated incorrectly or, you know, and been, you know, whatever, never affect where I want to go. And I don't know, 20 to almost, you know, 20 years later, almost, it's stuck with me that we're, we learn from things and move forward and we try and grow. And, you know, for me, it was an aha moment. Now, how did that change? You know, it changed, it helped me change behavior. It gives you a little more perspective. It gives you a little bit more long-term thinking, a little more ability to look at the Look at the forest and not just the tree, if you will. Yeah, and getting back to what you said about behavior, the trait from successful people, the more successful are, the more they can let things go quickly. So if exactly. Something, right, if something happened to you, like within like someone like you, Sean, maybe it affects you maybe a couple of minutes or an hour, but it's not going to last more than weeks, right? right. Maybe right. If really bad, really, really bad, maybe a couple of days, maybe a week, right. but no more than that. Well, people who are lesser on the success totem pole, they let them affect, you know, months well, yeah. it could be a prospect we say no you're letting effect for you weeks month or even like this lady 22 years like Wild, think of it? the lost opportunity like the things that you've you know lost no. out in life for 22 it's, years because of something like that i mean the money is gone there's no she's not going to get it back so just move on i i am with you man i'm with you so you, you learn by either seeing people that are what you want to be or seeing people that are what you don't want to be and either way, yeah. you, you, you apply it to yourself, you know? Yeah. You know, you're such an excellent storyteller. I love the people who've been in the profession for so long, like you, two decades. So this next question I'm really interested in. What is the worst, worst moment for you in network marketing? <laughs> you know, if I, I was trying to think about that, and, you know, I, uh, I was 11 years ago, a little over 11 years ago, um, you know, I, we knew that something was going on with our company. We just didn't know what because the last two weeks had been a little weird, you know. And we'd worked nine years, Simon. We built it up. I think our checks were about 35000 a month at the time, and which is, you know, which is 
which is not massive, but it's certainly not bad either, you know, for, for kids that are in their, you know, 30-ish, you know. Um, and, and we knew something was going on with the company. We didn't know what. And I had a friend in, uh, in Texas that, that was kind of knew about the, what was going on. And we had an agreement that said if we ever knew what was going to happen – uh, you know, what was any news in the company, you got to call me right away. So um, I'm sitting in, um, in Bismarck, North Dakota uh, at a hotel outside of an opportunity meeting. I got about 100 people in the opportunity meeting. I have two people walk up to me right before the meeting and they say, it's $400 to join, right? Here's my credit card. Can I give it to you now? And I'm like, just wait, you know, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll go through that. We'll go through the meeting. We'll do it afterwards. And uh, my phone rings and it's 720. And we start at 7.30, and I saw it's my friend in Dallas. And I answered him, like, Phil, what's up? He's like, where you at? I said, I'm standing outside an opportunity meeting, but we got an agreement. What's going on? He said, oh, you're going to do a meeting. Well, call me after the meeting. And I'm like, uh-uh, no. You tell <laughs> me now. What's going on? He said, well, the truth is uh, the company's filing bankruptcy tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., and our last paychecks are Friday. And, I, and at that moment, it was like the most surreal crazy, this isn't possible moment I probably professionally ever had in my life. You know, I mean, you got music going in the other room and it's all, you know, it's like one of these things out of the movies, you know, and you're holding this phone, looking at it saying, can it be real? Nine years of my life, you know, we finally have created a level of success. We're trending up and I got to walk into an opportunity meeting with a hundred people and talk about a company that's filing bankruptcy in 12 hours. Wow. You know, so that moment had to have been the, the worst moment in my life. It was also the shortest opportunity presentation I'd ever done. Um, you know, I didn't, I walked in probably 12 minutes and just talked about you know, Kiyosaki's, you know, ESBI and you've got to be a business owner and do something for yourself. And, you know, networking is a great way to do it. And oh, by the way, bring your applications to the front of the room for me, to me, because I, I don't want anybody going home and putting apps in on the internet with a company that's filing bankruptcy in the morning. And I'm like, how do I tell people what's going on with this? And, and you know, I, so you try and manage all these things at that moment. But I have to tell you what, Simon, um, you know, that moment in life professionally, at, at certainly at the time and, and in the short future after, Seemed like, how is this possible? It's the worst thing possible in the history of the world. Turned into be, for us, the largest blessing professionally. Mm. Um, you know, it taught, it taught Carmen and I how resilient we were. It taught, us, um, it taught us to face the reality of life as it is because, you know, sometimes you get thrown in situations that are 100% beyond your control. Right, so it's not about whether you can control it. You know, I have a philosophy. Uh, I have, I, you know, a habit. You know, that, that I really tried to live by, which which is this: is that there are always circumstances in life, and you can do one of three things. You can change it, you, and what you should do is you should change what you can change. If you can change it, if you want to change it, then change it. Now, if you can't change it, you do number two, and that's influence it or affect it. You you have influence or you affect the outcome or the circumstance. And if you can't change it and you can't influence it, then you manage and accept what it is without complaining. Period. And if you do that with everything and that's what that's really what we had to learn how to do in short order is oh, I wasn't going to I wasn't going to stop this company going out of business. I wasn't going to be able to influence the company and what they were doing. So we got to learn how to manage what we have as much as it stinks and we went from 35,000 a month to nothing. Uh, it brought us to where we are today. 
you know, it's the, you know, God, God closes a, a door, he opens a window and, and it led us to where we are. And 11 years later, we've made, you know, far more money and have a far larger team. And, and our, our life experience is, is tenfold and we've been blessed in multiple ways. And so what, what was the worst aha moment turned into the, to the greatest thing for us. Yeah, so did you sign up people in that meeting? Cause I, I'm wondering like, uh, the thoughts are going in your mind. You're doing this presentation oh. and you know, what I did, we took all the applications right there. And I said, the, uh, I, th- I can't remember exactly the verbiage that we used, but we didn't let people put anything in online. We had everybody fill out, you know, this was in 2004. Right. And so, um, so we had people actually take the apps and either write their credit card numbers on there or take their personal check. And I, and they gave them all to me. So I had all of the applications and I kept them in my portfolio and I'm like, I don't know what to do with these until I understand what's actually going to Is this true? Is it real? I got to get some information in the morning. So we did not allow anybody to sign up right there. Um, I kept them all and then ended up shredding them. And, and I think we called all of the, distri- or the, the, the new people there and said, I don't know how to tell you this, but you know, um, what we thought was there is not there anymore. And, and so it was, it was a difficult, ma- it was a difficult manage. You know, you just, there, there's the playbook for that. There isn't a, you know, let me, let me go through the summary and, you know, how do you deal with this? You just do the best you can do at the time and try and protect people and, and protect their decisions and, and try and give them a, a, a path, a future, you know? So what made you go back to network marketing? Cause, cause like you're pretty devastated. You just put your heart and soul, your time, you and Carmen for nine years. And some people would have said, Hey, I've had this. I'm going to walk away from this industry. What made yeah. you go back to it? You know, um, I think once you're able to, to try and pull the emotion out of it a little bit and to try and look at it and try and look at why, why, uh, why what happened happened um, and, and all of those things, we still love networking, man. I mean you still have built skills over this amount of time. You still have amazing relationships and you – you know, I looked at this nine years. I looked at all my friends who stayed in the commercial aviation business. For nine years after college. And I looked at their lifestyles. And a good portion of them, Simon, were still flying nights, weekends, and holidays for garbage money nine mm-hmm. years later. And I'm like, you know, I've been nine years out of college. And, uh, and I'm like, we're making three, dollars $400,000 a year. We don't have a boss. We've got a beautiful home, nice cars. We've traveled all over the world. We've got freedom. We've got all these things. And, you know, we, we had accomplished in nine years – what what the 30 year commercial aviation pilot is trying to accomplish you know cuz the guys at the end of that career are the ones that fly you know 5 days a month make 300 grand and pick the days they fly but you don't do that at the beginning right hmm. so it, we 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 knew that this was still uh, and it was in your blood. You know, we, we loved it. I loved communicating with people. I loved creating our own future and being the the master of our own ship and you know, creating our own destiny. And it just, we just needed to find the right place. And so where we ended up was right for us. Uh, we wanted a place that would bring us around the world uh, or give us the chance to go around the world. And, um, you know, here we are 11 years later. Now you are a very successful global leader of a huge organization overseas. How do you go from being in from Fargo, North Dakota, <laughs> which most of our listeners, especially international, have probably never heard of it. I mean, right. if you did heard of it, it's because of the movie Fargo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I heard of it. And most of you, probably 99% <laughs> of the listeners never have been there. So if you don't know North Dakota, there's a state called North Dakota near Minnesota, right. a small city. How did you go and build a huge business out in Asia? How did you start? 
you know, if, our, our first thing that we want to do is we decided that it was important to us. We decided that that's what we wanted to do. Um, you know, in our first company, we had done some work in Western Europe. Had, we're, we're pretty successful there. Liked the lifestyle. That was pre-kids. And we liked the lifestyle of traveling over to England, hanging with some friends and partners there for three weeks at a crack, doing some meetings, experiencing the culture, building a team, making friends and relationships there, and then coming back home to North Dakota and you know, working with our team here. We loved that element of it. And so we wanted that in our second life, so to speak. Uh, but we needed to, we needed to go there. And so what we, what we did is we decided it was important to us and then we start, and then we took action. We did everything from placing ads in newspapers. We, we found out the, the countries that our company was going to be opening up and we put ads in newspapers looking for, you know, people like saying, Hey, do, do you, are you from any of these countries? Do you have contacts there? Any business or personal contacts there? Are companies expanding into that country? You know, would you, you know, contact us? We joined local networking meetings of, of people that, um, you know, uh, it, I'll use India as an example, even though that's not the country. You know, there are a lot of Indian American communities that, you know, if people, uh, if that's their home culture, there's all kinds of events and groups and things where Indian Americans get together in their city and they do it. So you, you go to those things, you meet them and you network and you don't, you just create relationships. You don't go try and sell anything. You don't try and sign people up. You just make friends. So you go make friends. So we did all of these things. And ultimately what got us uh, really open the door is, we, we taught ourselves and our team to ask, to add into every conversation with both customers, potential customers, distributors, and potential distributors one thing. We taught them to add the question that says, hey, crazy, this is a shot in the dark here, but, you know, our, the first kind of market that our company was going to open was Taiwan. And we said, well, you don't happen to, uh, shot in the dark, but you don't happen to know anybody who is either from uh, Taiwan or lived or worked there or, you know, has a spouse from there or anything. Just a crazy idea. You wouldn't happen to know anybody, would you? And so we trained ourselves and our team to start asking those questions. And, you know, most of the time you'd get no. But once in a while you'd get yes. Why do you ask? Well, our company is going to be opening up there in six months and we're just really looking for some people that can help teach us about the culture, that, you know, can share some tips or thoughts or ideas and then maybe even point us in the direction of some, some people that may be interested in helping us expand our business there. And let me tell you, people are open, Simon. If, if you're not selling them, if you're just asking advice, people love to talk about their home culture. You know, they, they love to share ideas and contacts and connections if you're not selling, if you're just becoming a friend with them. And, you know, ultimately I sat on a, sat on an airplane next to a lady and chatted with her, uh, headed out to San Francisco. Uh, four hours in the plane, we talked about just health and life and business. And, and she was obviously Asian American. I said, if you don't mind my asking, what country is your family history from? She said, I'm, I grew up in Taiwan. I said, oh, but I've been here 20 years. I said, gosh, I said, we're opening up there in six months. I'd love to get something started. She said, my aunt lives there and she knows everyone and she would probably love something like this. Let me connect you with her. And let me tell you, from that conversation, Simon, and what stemmed from the work we did, from sitting on somebody next to an airplane has stemmed well over 200,000 people, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in sales and millions of dollars in personal income over the last few years from one conversation. Wow. Now, now, you know, we all have thousands of those conversations that go nowhere, but that's the life of an entrepreneur. We have the ability to, to work a lot, get paid nothing, work a little, get paid a lot, you know? Hmm. Hey, as we go towards, uh, so one couple more questions. Okay. Sean, Cause you've been sure. so, so good. Uh, 
what's the, especially if you've been in the profession for 20 years, what excites you most about network marketing now and how have you seen the change? I think the world is just so much smaller. I mean, it is uh, the ability to build global businesses using social networking and apps right on our phone and translate, you know, between our, you know, in Indonesian or our Malay or our Chinese teams that, although that's their native languages, uh, I can, I can take, you know, apps that just, you can text back and forth and it translates for you back and forth. You can literally communicate, you know, uh, with someone in another language and you can network with people in another language. So, uh, I, I think that the way that the world is becoming so much smaller and the way that companies are seeing the importance of going around the world and get, making global opportunities is so much different when I than when I started. Where the only thing you have the 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 only way to do it is to sit in front of somebody, you know, and 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 just go belly to belly, which I think is still ultimately really important part of our business. But um, but the fact that we can go outside of our borders, we can make things effective and efficient. And grow so much faster by using technology all over the world to me is it's unprecedented. Want to know the best places to find new prospects in a new city? What places to advertise and find leads? As an MLM Nation Insider member, you can get How to Find Prospects in a New City course and all my other training courses for free. Normally, these courses sell for $47 on our website, but all ML Nation Insider members have free access anytime. You definitely want to be an Insider member. Go take a dollar trial and check it out at www.mlmnationinsider.com. That's mlmnationinsider.com. As we wrap up the show, some really quick questions to pick your brain. So these could be like one word or one sentence answers. Sure. Okay, Sean. First one is, what is one of your favorite success quotes? that motivates you um you know the one we talked about earlier is the biggest one that education does not mean teaching people what they don't know it means teaching them to behave as they don't behave i mean really that that that's the biggest thing about changing and growth not just listening and reading books for the sake of doing it listening to tapes and reading books but actually changing how you act what is one habit that's helped you become successful um i would say that uh you take care of uh the important things first to prioritize the next day to prioritize what's going to happen tomorrow and write down the six to 10 things that need to be done and order them in order of priority. And when you wake up in the morning, do number one until number one is done and don't get off task until number one is done and then move on to number two and to actually prioritize what needs to be done. What is the best piece of advice you ever received? Um, probably to get really clear on who in your group deserves, uh, personal time and who in your group deserves group time. Because in the beginning you just give time to whoever asks for time, but just because someone's asking for time doesn't mean they deserve time. Some people deserve group time, webinar time. Other people deserve your personal time. In terms of prospecting, say you have a qualified prospect, what's your favorite prospecting tool you use? Do you send them a link to an online video? Do you do a Skype call? Do you uh, sit down with a flip chart? What do you use? No, an online video first, just to you know, so they don't come in cold, so that they have an idea of what our company's about, what our products are about, what our mission and our, our philosophy is all about. Um, and you know, so we'll use some of the either the company videos or even a team video that we've put together. Do you have a favorite online resource like a Dropbox or Evernote or favorite app? That you could recommend? I uh, I personally love WeChat. 
If you've never mm. used WeChat, I mean, our entire team uses it globally. It, in my opinion, uh, just far outweighs anything that's on the market, 10 times better than WhatsApp. Uh, it's free text, video, voice, the you know group messaging, you can documents. It's crazy good. WeChat. What's one book you could recommend to ML Nation? Um, you know what? It's not anything to do with MLM, but I would suggest reading Richard Branson's autobiography because that was an – I read it a long time ago. It really impacted me. Just what the mindset of an entrepreneur who came from nothing has created – you know, it's one of the – one of the premier entrepreneurs in the world, clearly, and where he came from, what he went through to, to create what he's created. I, I think it's inspiring. And ML Nation, I know you love audio, so if you haven't already, you can get an amazing free audiobook at MLMNationBook.com. That is MLMNationBook.com. Now, Sean, here's the last question, the million-dollar question. You ready? I'm ready. Imagine you had to start all over again, and you knew no one, so you didn't even know your wife or know your kids. But you had all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom. So you're kind of like an alien that went to another planet. What's the first thing you would do or the first place you'll go to find prospects and build an MLM business from scratch? You know, I would do, I would do two things. I would uh, have it be both online and offline. And uh, online, I would just create – I would find groups of things that are of interest to me, leisure, business – personal development, things like that. And I just join in some chat groups and start to just connect with people for a few hours a day uh, online and just create relationships online. And then locally, I would actually get just real involved in community. And if you didn't know anyone, the first, the worst thing you do is just go try and sell your opportunity right away or your product right away. The best thing you do is just go make friends. And there's no anxiety, no pressure. Just go to every local community event that you can and create uh, your Rolodex, to use an old word, and um, and just try and go meet a hundred new friends and and get a hundred new business cards and and create relationships with those people as, as a start. That's what I do. Sean, you've been super super awesome. You know, thank you so much. As we wrap up, any last words of advice? And then, what's the best way listeners can contact you and connect with you? Um, you know, the the last thought of advice would be would be this: um, change how you behave. Focus on fundamentals. I'm big on fundamentals, on, on giving people the right business processes to fundamentally work on every day so that they're doing the right things and not the wrong things. Because if you leave it up to a new person, they're going to choose to do the wrong things. So give them the, the right path um, so that you can get in front of, we always tell people, 30 people right away. A new person needs to have 30 full exposures within their first one to two months. Uh, minimum if they're part-time. And so do the right things, change how you act, uh, make a decision, and keep your mindset growing every day because if you aren't making it grow, it's going to go the other direction. As far as getting a hold of me, um, you can WeChat me, just Sean Gray, uh, S-H-A-W-N-G-R-A-Y, or you can go on Facebook and just type in, um, just search for Sean Gray Beijing. Just put Sean Gray Beijing in there and you'll find me. ML Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today, you may hang out with Sean Gray. So keep up the momentum and go to mlnation.net and type in Sean, S-H-A-W-N, S-H-A-W-N at the search bar and all the show notes and the nuggets of wisdom that Sean shared will pop right out. And definitely, definitely connect with this guy. He is a MLM superstar. In order to be successful in network marketing, you must help others. So Sean, thanks again for sharing your valuable time with ML Nation. We're grateful to you and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Thank you so much again, Sean, and God bless you. Thanks, Simon. Same to you. 
Want to know how to prospect more confidently and speak with influence? As an ML Nation Insider member, you get my Speak to Influence course along with 17 other training courses for free. These courses are normally $47, but with your dollar trial, you get all of them for free for seven days. Go check it out at MLMNationInsider.com. Again, that's MLMNationInsider.com. Hey, ML Nation, this is Simon Chan with a recap of an awesome show with Sean Gray. Wow, I love the stories, right? I love the commitment, the fire. Uh, the guy's a pro ever since I've met him at AMP. Uh, it was awesome, the way he conducts himself. And So definitely reach out to him. Go to mlnation.net. At the search bar, just look for Sean, S-H-A-W-N. You can connect with him. Uh, he's a really good, you know, he has a big, big, huge business overseas, global team. And just to share how he got started, uh, it's very cool. So a couple of things. You know, number one is like he talks about Events, right? Events, events. This is a recurring theme. Going to events. The events was what really opened his eyes and what this business can do. And he even talked about his worst moment, right? When he worked hard and he was earning good income, but his company went from 35000 to zero. But he still stayed in it because once you take the emotion out of it, and this is the key, emotion. If you get emotion out of it, you can see he still loved the industry. And still better than his aviation friends who were like still struggling, working all that hard. He basically got in nine years where his aviation friends wanted to go in 30 years. And that's the incredible thing about this business. But like Sean said, this is an apprenticeship. He, he only made 12000 his first year. Okay? 20000 second year. 24000 third year. It wasn't until like his fifth, sixth year, he hit like six figures. But once you get there, like he said... It's a learning process, right? And in terms of education, I think the thing that I loved the most was what he talked about from John Ruskin. I love philosophy. I'm going to look this up. It's like education is not teaching people what they don't know, but teaching people to behave as they do not behave. It's all about a behavior, right? So if you can't behave well, if you're not reacting well, you're letting emotions get you in a way, that's not, you're not educated. You may know it, but you don't, you're not applying it. It's the education, your behavior. That's, that's such a awesome way to put it. That's really how we grow as people, right? Like you talk about a baby or like an infant, a toddler. You know, that's the way you say, oh, he acts like a baby. Because the behavior. So how are you acting? Are you acting like a leader? And you talk about the emotions. Moving past, letting go of your past. You talked about like a, the lady who was getting angry her daughter joined because she got scammed of $22,000. But that was over the $20,000. But that was over 22 years ago. And I'm telling you, here's the indicator of success. Successful people, how, your level of success determines how quickly you can let things go. Whether it's an argument with your spouse, argument with your kids, you're upset with your kids, or a, a downline that quit, or something happens to your company, or a prospect doesn't show up. How long you can let that go determines your level of success. I mean, if through my years of being an entrepreneur over 13 years, I figured that's the best definition of success. How quickly you can let something go. Some people can let things go quickly. Some people can let, I mean, that unfortunate lady, 22 years of her life, still bitter at that. Think about, I mean, if she focused on something, she probably would have made the money back. Right? And that's not just about the money, she's unhappy. So, a couple other things has changed. You know, if something happens to you, uh, and Sean talked about, there's no such thing as stability. Right, it's about no such thing as stability or status quo. Things are always changing because the company taught him how to think. So a couple of things is number one, you can change if you don't like something, you can change what well, you can change. If you can't change it, then you can influence it. If you can't change nor influence it, then just accept what happened and you move on. Really good advice. So whatever happens to you, do you like it? Change what you can change. If you can't change it, then influence it. And third, if you can't change or can't influence it, then just accept it and move on. 
couple other things before we wrap up is talk about going to national. Really good advice. Sean's a big team. Number one, decide. Okay, make the decision. He talked about placing ads in local. Like, so he lived in the, you know, nowhere's, nowhere's, I hope I don't offend people in Fargo, but nowhere's land in the U.S. Fargo, right? Small little city there, small little town. But he placed ads in local papers. It could be online papers and meet people from different, different ethnicities. You can go to community groups. And a lot of things was he asked, he trained his team to ask questions. It's just a question shot in the dark. Do you happen to know anyone from Taiwan? And then talk about just asking. You never know, right? You could. She sat uh, next to a person on a plane, asked her, and she said, oh, you know, I know this auntie. And that person from Taiwan led him to 200,000 people in the region. Now, of course, he, Sean probably talked to 30, maybe I'm sure hundreds of people that led to nothing, but all it takes is one person, right? So really good stuff. Uh, if you want to go international, go decide. Number two, you can place ads in local papers, go to community groups, train your team to ask for referrals, ask for people, and... Another big tip is just share. Don't sell. Get to know. Be a friend. People love. People are proud of their ethnicity. They're proud to be where they're from. So they would like to share advice. You build relationships on that. Yeah. Next thing is uh, time management, being productive, effective. Always, pro- always prioritize your next day. Prioritize your next day. And planning your day. And we've talked about this in the past. And then good, good go for you in the first uh, 30 days. Right? If you're new in the distributor, new... Do 30 exposures in the first month. Get that momentum going. All right, really good stuff. Again, awesome, awesome episode. Uh, I feel like I just did it injustice by giving a quick recap there. But you really want to go, this is something you want to go listen to back again and again because it's really about the mindset. You want to teach the behavior, right? You want to be successful, you got to act and be a leader. Great episode about what leadership is, the mindset behind that. So uh, make sure you go to mlnation.net, look for Sean, thank him. And if you like these episodes, please subscribe, rate, and review on the iTunes. They really mean a lot, and not just to our team, but also to the MLM community. It helps people find this awesome training, uh, find and connect with great leaders like this, like Sean Gray. And if you like this, please share with the MLM community. Thank you for listening. Thanks again, Sean, for an amazing, amazing episode. Uh, definitely reach out to him. And Mission, remember, we're in the profession to help others. So go out there and have a positive impact on someone's life today. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us today on MLM Nation. Head over to MLMNation.net for full recaps of every show, our training articles, and helpful resources. Your MLM success is waiting for you. So prepare to take off.